Good morning. Good morning. Yes, that was a group exercise here. Open your Bibles to the book of Philippians. I, I can truthfully say that uh, this is a life-changing book to me. Um, Yvonne came, came out to the hall, and um, as soon as she looked at me, tears were in her eyes. She said, this book has changed my life. And um, I would truthfully say um, amen to that. So as you have your, your Bibles open, let's just read a few lines. And uh, some of you, it's an entirely new book. Maybe you've never read it for yourself, or maybe you've read it, but uh, just skimmed the surface, and you don't know really what meaneth this, this book. Who is it to? What's it about? Um, what does it matter to me? Does it matter in the world, I'm living in a complicated world. And this was a letter. It was a letter to real people living in a complicated world. Some things never change. Amen? Yeah. So thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you that um, for the faithfulness of people that have stepped out of their comfort zone um, this morning, for the leaders, for some of you that are new and come, and for Paul the Apostle, and for Silas, and for Lydia, and all the people that we will meet, and who will become our friends in this great letter. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the book, the letter, uh, the epistle of Paul to the Philippians. Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's writing, and he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this one thing, that he who has begun a good work in you, he'll complete it. He'll completely complete it until the day of Jesus. Just as it's right for me to think of you all this way, because I have you in my heart, that's why, inasmuch as both of my chains and the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you with all the affection of Christ Jesus. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in all knowledge and discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere, that you may be without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. So what is this letter about? And it is a letter I was reading in my Haley's Handbook, if you don't have one, it's a precious book um, to have. And it talks about the intro and the, the background of this book. 
Paul had had started this church in Philippi 10 years before, but when he writes this letter, it's 10 years later, and he's in prison. And it seems that maybe he, he had wondered if they had forgotten about him. And then a man named Epaphroditus arrives from far away Philippi with an offering of money. Because in prisons those days, um, they didn't serve you three meals, three square meals, and you didn't have a cozy heater in your own cell. No, it, it was rough times. And here comes Epaphroditus. And Paul was so deeply touched that, that, that this man had come so far and nearly, by the way, lost his life in doing so. And when he recovered, he went back home to these people with this beloved letter. How sweet that is to even think of the background. I love backgrounds. Philippi, so what is that? What is that, Philippi? Philippi was a Roman colony. It was an important city of those days. It was the hub of trade routes. It was a strategic city of meeting the West from the East. Alexander the Great used Philippi as a hub. It was a busy powerful, complicated city. There were gold mines nearby. Therefore, it was a rich city. But as we know, all that is gold does not glitter. Absolutely not. In such cities, uh, long ago as it is today, there are dark um, currents that run deep and affect people and drag people down. And in a rich city, I think sometimes just people just wake up and they go, why? Why? Why with all of this stuff and all this happening and all this influence, do I still have a great big hole in my heart? Why is that? Why does life not seem to have meaning? Why am I so hungry and empty and lonely in such a hubbub of a city? Well, living in a city can, can, can be, wake, wake you up. Like Solomon once said, vanity, vanity, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. It's a good background for coming to the Lord. But Paul, how did he get there? Initially, in Acts 15 and 16, he had no intention of going to Philippi. No, he had several other cities picked out on his courts as he was charting his work. Should we go next? Oh, I think I'll go here and there. But it's interesting if you read the story that two times God put his foot down. He said no. The Holy Spirit actually forbade him to go to two other cities in Asia. And then in the night vision, he could see a man saying, come, come to Macedonia and help us. Now, some Bible scholars believe that that man that Paul saw in this dream was possibly our friend Luke. Luke? Luke, the one who wrote the book of Luke? One who actually wrote the book of Acts? Well, maybe, because he wasn't a Gentile. He wasn't a, a Jew. He was actually a Gentile. He was the only writer of the Bible, in the Bible, who was a Gentile, who wasn't a Jew. And, and why do they think it was him? Well, there was a big medical facility, training center, in Philippi. And and as we know, Luke was the beloved physician. And maybe it was him. 
on his knees. Maybe he had been in Jerusalem um, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, and he'd gone back to his holy si- hometown city, and he was on his knees one day. God, send somebody to share the gospel. I'm a doctor. I need somebody who's a preacher. And so they went. As soon as Paul got that vision, they went. And who went with him? It was Silas, and it was Timothy. Acts 15 gives us the background of them going there. Actually, Acts 15 is not my favorite chapter because the background of, of Paul moving forward with Silas and Timothy is the loss of a big friendship, the loss of his friendship and his partnership with Barnabas. It was Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas. And then they had a parting of ways, and then they moved on, each moved on to their own call. And here, Paul is taking Silas and Timothy, thus the introduction of Timothy. These people, when he wrote the letter, they knew Timothy. Timothy was their friend and part of the launching of this church. I'm going to read just a a few moments of the background because I think it's so so important as they came... um, Okay, here's Acts. As they came to the city in Acts 16 is the story of the launching of this. And on the Sabbath day, they went to the riverside where prayer was customary. And we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. And there was a certain woman named Lydia who heard us. She was the seller of purple of that city, which was a, her clientele would have been rich people. Purple was a dye that was very expensive to make, and only wealthy people could buy it. But the Lord opened her heart. She was a worshiper of God, and the Lord opened her heart when she heard the gospel. And I thought about Lydia, and I thought she was a worshiper of God, it said, but there was a missing link. Just like Nicodemus, there was a missing link. But she was a Gentile. And she didn't know the Old Testament. She didn't know the promises of God like Nicodemus had when he went to Jesus. And Jesus said, you must be born again. But still, she worshiped God. I remember some years ago, I was having my nails done by a little Oriental lady. And as I often do, I kind of ask her about her life, and we chit-chatted. And then I just ask her the big, important question, do you have any spiritual beliefs? And she looked at me, and she said, yes. I'm a Buddhist. And I said, so do you pray? And she said, yes. And I said, who do you pray to? Because Buddha is dead. And she looked off into the space, and she said, nobody. You pray to nobody? You pray to nobody? I mean, my heart hurts just looking at her face right now. And, and, and maybe that was Lydia. She knew there was a God because she has the stars in the sky. She has sunsets. She has that God-shaped void in her heart. And then in walked these men into her, her place, her ordinary place, and shared the gospel. She opened her heart. And then she opened her home. And this was the first outreach in Europe Previously, in fact, Paul had just wanted to go to Asia. And God was now 
doing a breakthrough thing, bringing the gospel to Europe. And you know what? This is not a small event. Because it was from Europe that the pilgrims came and brought the gospel to the U.S. of A. What well, wasn't the U.S. Of, of A? It was America. Our lives are entirely linked to this moment because all of the Christian life is a chain reaction, and somehow we're all linked because we have a big God, small world. Well, she opened her home. And did you know, maybe most of you don't know, that many Calvary chapels were started in homes. Um, Right now, Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, is probably the most famous and maybe the biggest Calvary Chapel on the planet. But did you know it started in a home? Uh, We've been friends with Jack and Lisa Hibbs forever since they were just kids. And they started a home fellowship in somebody's family room. And in the family room, there was a coffee can with a slit in the top, and you could put money in it for the donuts and the coffee. That's how that church started. And they met together because people were hungry, and they wanted to hear about Jesus. So um, there it is. Praise the Lord. Look at this. In a woman's home, first convert in Europe, and the first church in Europe was started with a woman. God uses women, and not to exalt men in any way, but God exalts women too. He uses ordinary us when our hearts are hungry for us. And I feel like that's a a powerful message for each of us because we feel so small, and yet God does big things in small places. And she begged them to stay with her. And then the next convert, who was she? Well, she was a little slave girl. And she was following them around and and prophesying and telling fortunes. And they got annoyed and they just just prayed. And that demon that was, was using her was expelled. But the people who owned her were annoyed. And so they had Paul and Silas arrested. And not only were they arrested... Acts tells us specifically in Acts 16.22 that the multitude rose up against them and the magistrates tore off their clothes and beat them with rods. And they had many stripes and threw them into the prison. You know, that's, that's a hard word. I mean, that's a hard word. And sometimes we think, well, God, if, if you love me, Um, aren't you supposed to protect me from such moments? But he did protect them. And sometimes he doesn't protect the outside of us, but he's like a lion to protect our hearts and our souls if we will trust him. And at midnight in that story, it's one of my favorite moments. They were singing and praying, and the fellow prisoners heard them. They heard them. I wonder then, then when, the, when the doors opened and, and Paul and Silas went free if some of the other prisoners escaped too and became part of the church. This is an odd lot for starting the church. Kind of a mixed bag here. <laughs> Not your spiritual sort. 
Well, most Calvary chapels are filled with an odd lot. You know, welcome, <laughs> welcome home if that's you. <laughs> and what a powerful story. And the, and the, the, the jailer, he was so mortified and, and knew that he would be killed if they got away. He started to kill themselves. And what did they say? No, don't harm yourself. And that's, an, that's a teachable t- moment to me. If somebody had stripped me and beat me, I mean, I might have said, oh, rock on. <laughs> you know, go ahead, hurt yourself. I kind of wanted to hurt you for hurting me. But again, a teachable moment. They said, don't hurt yourself. And how, how humbly and cheerfully they shared the gospel with that jeller. And he and his whole family got saved. And that's, that's who these people are. As, as Paul picks up his pen, he's in prison. He's in jail again. He's writing to his people. He loves these people. He's an inside of these people. And I want to say to each of us, don't be an outsider. Don't be an outsider to the family of God. Be an insider. Let God use you. Let God draw you in. Never think that that people are so far ahead of you that you can never be used in the family of God. Look at this. Yeah, look at this. God works in the mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. And he wants to do such a thing. And Paul said, he who's gone, he who has begun a good work in you, he'll complete it to the end. And maybe maybe you started out this new year and, and, and you're struggling. You're struggling. You've got problems you can't fix. Circumstances that are baffling you. Maybe your response to it wasn't as generous or as kind or as faithful as you wish. God's not finished with you. That's a good word for you. God wants you to be filled with his word. God wants you to know him in a fresh new way. God wants you to have holy confidence, not in yourself, but in a great God who works in mysterious ways. Take your circumstance to the foot of the cross. Just give it to him and see how he can use the broken pieces of your life to construct a masterpiece. And that's what this book is all about. And I want to encourage you with all, you all, with all my heart, become Bible girls. Become Bible girls. I have my, the book of Philippians, is, you can hardly read the words. I have so many notes in my margins. <laughs> I have so many underlining. The pages are ragged. It's a precious, powerful book. God's going to teach you how to walk in him. It's a, it's a discipling book. Paul, Paul just um, pours out his heart. And, you know, they know his testimony. They knew before he knew Jesus, he was mean-spirited and hard-hearted. And we should look at his testimony alone and say, if God could change Paul, he can change anybody. If God can bring that jailer to, to, to know Jesus, he can change anybody. We need to have such confidence when we read these things. And, and then as he writes to these people, you know, it's that church 
It's that church that then launched other missionaries and into into European cities, and God used in a, in a powerful way. And so I want to say to us, how about us? Jesus said, Jesus said to us, you're the light of the world. You are. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. These are dark times. They lived in a dark city. Those were hard times. Nero would soon be ruling Rome, which ruled Philippi. Those were dark times. This is the time to get fired up. This is the time to let your light shine. This is the, uh, your time to be filled with the gospel. This is your time to share the gospel. Have you ever shared the gospel? Have you shared the gospel recently? Sometimes it's just as simple as just walking up to somebody and saying, you know what, I, I just feel like God put it on my heart to tell you today that God loves you, that God really loves you. He knows what's going on in your life. Do you believe that? He knows what's going on in your life. You can truthfully say that he knows what's going on in their life. And you can say, if you call out to God, he'll answer you. And he'll show you great and wonderful things that you do not know. I was sitting on a plane a couple days ago. And the two guys sitting next to me, they could not say a complete sentence, not a complete sentence, without four swear words. And the worst, the kinds I don't like to hear, in close quarters especially, I mean, they were just talking nonstop, so loud. And then I overheard that one of them was going to get married in a few days. And um, then the center guy um, got up and, and left, and, and uh, that one guy was now talking to me, and he was talking to me uh, about he's getting married, and he wants to buy a new house. And I said, well, I know a little bit about houses, and and he said, can I have your name, your, your name and phone number? I thought, okay, here's, here's my phone number. But I happen to have a four spiritual laws track in my, in my Bible bag. And I wrote it on the back of that. <laughs> and I said, oh, look at this. This tells you about God. And on the front it says there's four spiritual laws. I said, did you know that? He said, no, I didn't know that. (laughs) I assumed he didn't know that. And I said, what do you think the number one spiritual law to God is? And he said, well, that we shouldn't be bad. I said, well, that's a good idea. (laughs) But that's not number one. He said uh, that we should go to church. That's a, that's a good idea. That's number one. That we should do good things. That's number one, but that's a good idea. <laughs> Thinking he knows to do the right things, he's not doing them. So I said, oh, I opened it up, and I said, please read this to me. And you know what it says? God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And I made him read it. And I said, you're getting married pretty soon. And you know what? You're going to need God. 
shook his head. God, God has a, an aching world. It's a hard world, world right now. And we've got the words of life. Who wants to say amen to that? So I'd like you to raise your hand. Just one hand. Close your eyes. Lord, we just look to you. And God, we we often make our own plans. And God, I pray that we would hear your small, still voice. That you would allow, we would allow you to direct our paths. And even change our, our, our schedule. And open our eyes, God, to see the people around us. That they're hurting. That they're needy. And God, what changed these people's life was you. And God, sometimes we feel like we're in a hard marriage or in a hard situation, hard friendship or family situation. And it's kind of like a prison. How can we get out? And yet, God, we can sing at midnight. We can call out to you and you will answer us. And so, God, we pray that you would help us shine. Help us shine. Help us to be so full of confidence in you that, God, that you would use us in this lost and dying world. So we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.